So now I'm recording. I turned on the recording just for those listening by uh, Podbean. We just read through Genesis 1. And what stands out to you about this chapter? God said. God said. And it was so. How many times did it say God said and it is so? Yeah. So we see, right, the power in God's word, the authority he has in his word. What he says, he does. And that should encourage us. I mean, it really should encourage us that we have a relationship, Lord willing, all of us have a relationship here, with the true and living God. He's alive. He's not dead. He's alive. And he speaks life, not only into creation, but he speaks life into us as well. So when we look at the outline that I made up here, what we see is Genesis is a Greek word that means source, origin, or beginning. And it's taken from the opening phrase in the beginning, which is berit in Hebrew. I hope I'm saying that right. Genesis is also the first book of the Torah or the law, which includes the first five books of the Bible. You're going to see this term if you read commentaries. It's called the Talmud. And on your handout, there is a definition of what that is. And I'm going to read it real quick. The Talmud is a large collection of writings containing a full account of the civil and religious laws of the Jews. It was a fundamental principle of the Pharisees common to them with all Orthodox modern Jews that by the side of the written law regarding as a summary of the principles and general laws of the Hebrew people, there was an oral law to complete and to explain the written law. It was an article of faith that in the Pentateuch, there was no precept and no regulation, ceremonial, doctrinal, whoops, lost my spot, or legal, of which God had not given to Moses all explanations necessary for the application with the order to transmit them by word of mouth. The classical subject is the following in the Mishnah. You'll see that again on the swing. Moses received the oral law from Sinai and delivered it to Joshua and Joshua to the elders and to the elders to the prophets and to the prophets to the men of the great synagogue. This oral law with the number, numerous commentaries upon it forms the Talmud. It consists of two parts, the Mishnah and the Mara. And if you want to learn more about that, you can go to Smith's Bible Dictionary. And the reason why I included that is because if you read some commentaries, they'll refer back to these um, words here that we're seeing, the Talmud, or even um, the other one that they use here, the Mishnah. So this has to do with the Hebrew people, you know, just what they were. The Pharisees, what the Pharisees studied when they were in seminary. I, what we would call seminary, you know, the, the synagogue when they studied the, the Old Testament. So chapters one and three, what we're going to see, describe the creation and the fall of man. 
So the next time we have a class, we're going to go through chapter two, and it's going to be a repeat of what we just read. But I want to break it down chapter by chapter because there's so much in chapter three when it talks about the fall of man that we could talk about that for a couple of weeks, really. Everything that happened because of that. And for those of you that work at the Ark and visit the Ark often, you or the Creation Museum, it's a great display of what really has transpired in our world. You know, why things are the way they are. So then chapters 4 through 11 describe the spread of sin and the judgment of the flood and the development of nations. Chapter 12 reveals God's election of one nation from among all the nations for his purpose of blessing humanity, which Messiah would come from, the Jewish people. Then we have chapters 12 through 50, which trace the call, the blessing, and the preservation of the Hebrew people. So I also broke down another outline there for you. I'm not going to go through all of that because I do want to look at some scriptures with you towards the end which I think are important for us to look at. But what we see in verse 1 and 2, do you remember what verse 1 and 2 talked about in chapter 1? These are for the ladies that are listening online and haven't read through the book with us. What stands out to you in chapter uh, verses 1 and 2 in chapter 1? God created. God created. There's no such thing as the Big Bang Theory. God created. God created. Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, before time began, God created space for heaven and earth. God speaks, and it happens, as already was pointed out. And Genesis 1-1 really is a foreshadow of the language that we see in John 1-1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word. Jesus was with the Father. Hallelujah. And the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God was hovering over the whole dark planet that, I mean, we can't even wrap our mind around this. I know I can't. I can't even wrap my mind around it. But I believe it's true. You know, there's something in me that I read it and I say, I believe this is true. And I find myself doing that whenever I read through the Bible, that even though I can't understand it or wrap my mind around it, I'll say to the Lord, Lord, I believe this is true because you say so. You know, you say so and you have that authority. So before time began, God created space for heaven and earth. And in this account that we just read, we see that it was God who created time, space, energy, and matter. How awesome is our God? How majestic is our God? It's amazing. Right? I mean, you can't snuff God out, no matter how hard the culture tries. You can never snuff him out. So what we see in the second part of that is the six days of creation. And again, not only did God say, but we see God created. He was the one that created everything. Everything. And in verses 3 through 5, what stood out to you in that portion of Scripture there, verses 3 through 5? Is that when he separated everything? What was he separating? The heavens Light and darkness. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? I, I was just like, man, Lord, 
I think about the message we just heard on Sunday, how we're called to be lights in the darkness. Yeah. You know, and just reading that, I was like, man, that's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that in the midst of darkness, God brings light. Yes. Brings light, turns on the light. Yeah. You know, for us to see, for people to see, you know. Mm-hmm. Because you think about when it's dark, we don't see, right? right. I, I'm telling myself, I get up a lot in the middle of the night. And I have night lights everywhere, but when I don't have night lights, it's pretty dark because there's no lights out where I live, no street lights around our area. And uh, it's pretty dark. And there's several times I'll walk into things, it's like, oh! <laughs> so I'm thankful for the lights because they show me what's in the way that I'm about to fall over and hurt myself or break my neck when you have three German shepherds. <laughs> I like to lay around all, of, lay around the bed, you know. So we we're grateful for the light, right? We're thankful that God created that light for us. So then, in verses six and eight, what stands out to you there? I like the different translations on that portion of scripture. Oh, that's the sky. The sky. The sky. So he created light, brought light into the darkness, the blue sky. I love the sky. I love sitting on my deck just looking at the sky and the clouds. I mean, I just love it. It just draws me to the Lord. When I look, it's like, man, you're so awesome. You are so awesome. It's like, and you see me. <laughs> you see me here, sitting here. You see me. That's cool. How far, but you're near at the same time. You know, I mean, it's just so, so amazing. So, but again, we see God said, God divided, and God called these things into being. He was the one. We see that. It's the same thing that it said in verses three through five. God said, God divided, God called these things into being. In verses 9 through 13, what do we see there? Okay, Lisa, now there's there's your hour. (laughs) (laughs) The vegetation, the grass, the seeds, producing plants, fruit trees on the third day. God said, again, we see God called these things into being, and he saw that it was good. Everything he made was good. Yes. And then in verse 14 through 19, what do we see there? So basically, uh, day and night, and the sun and moon. The signs, the seasons, the days, the years, to give light to the earth. Two great lights, the sun and the moon and the stars. Right. And their purpose, the sun is to rule by day the moon to rule by night, to give light to the earth, to divide and separate day and night, the fourth day. But again, we see God said, God made, God saw, and he said it was good. He said it was good. So then we're back at verse 24 and 25, and we see what did God create there? all the fish, all the living creatures in the seas and the fowl and birds. And I don't know, has anyone here ever gone scuba diving or snorkeling? Mm -hmm. 
Well, there's a whole nother world that we don't even see or know about. It's amazing. It's, it's so amazing. God's creation is so amazing. But again, we see that he made animals also according to each kind. And if you go to the Ark Encounter, you see just all the different kinds. God said, God created, God saw that it was good, and God blessed them. You know, so you keep seeing that theme throughout. God said, God made, God saw that it was good. The fifth day. But then, verse 26 and 28, what did God say? Let us, let us, us. Who is he talking to? Jesus. Let us. God created humankind in his own image. Unfortunately, we've fallen from that grace. Yes. We'll touch on that when we get to Genesis 3. But imagine what it was like. I can't even imagine what it was like. No. God's original creation, including the human race, what were they like? Right. They're created in his image. Right. But do we really know what his image is like? Mm -hmm. I mean, we see in the word. Right descriptions of God, right? But still, our little mind can't wrap our mind around the greatness and the majesty of who he is, right? But yet we heard tonight what George read that when we see him, we're gonna be like him. What's that gonna be like? I can't even wrap my mind around that. I can't wrap it. But God said, let us. God created humankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created the male and female. He created the male and female. Male and female. Male and female. Male and female. He created them. And I'm not a racist. I'm not a racist. But this is true. He created the male and female. Because now if you say that, you're a racist. And you get canceled. But I'm going to say it anyway. He created them male and female, and he blessed them. And he gave them purpose and stewardship over his creation. Adam was created in God's image and established him as a ruler to rule over his creation. So... When I was reading that, it just reminded me of a scripture verse that talks about our identity and purposes are really found in him. In him we live and move and have our being. And we have our being in him. So then we're at verse 29 and 31. And what do we see there that he created? Verses 29 through 31. On the same day, it says, he created... The Garden of Eden. And land creatures. What was that like? The Garden of Eden. Do you ever wonder where was the Garden of Eden? Where is the Garden? Do you ever wonder about that? I think about that. It's like, where is it? You know, where where was it? But he created the Garden of Eden. And he created it so that they could have food to eat. 
Amazing. God saw everything that he had made, and it says in that verse, it was very good. Very good. The sixth day. Seven times God saw that it was good. His creation in verse 4, 10, 12, 18, 21, 25, and 31. He said it was very good. And then in Genesis 2, verses 1 and 2, and Heidi was obedient. She stopped at 2, but we could have went to 3. <laughs> but she was obedient, so I didn't, I didn't want to mess it up. So. But really, the seventh day, he rested. He completed. It was complete. Seven stands for completion. But isn't it amazing how, and I remember seeing this at the Ark Encounter, how we get our week, the seven days. Yeah. creation because again did you ever think of that how do we get our week how do we get our months how do we get our years you know you have to look at the jewish calendar but we get our week from the seven days of creation so what we see is god is the one who paints every sunset and i'm so blessed to see the sunsets the paintings he does that i post on my facebook page he breathes life into dust. He forms mountains, galaxies, animals, angels, and humankind with just the power of his voice. Isn't that amazing? He's an awesome God. God reveals himself as Elohim and omniscient in these passages that we just looked at. And I know I've taught on this before when we studied the women in the Bible. But in Hebrew thought, a name was not just a way of identifying a person. It was a way of revealing his or her very identity and essence. It is the same with the names of God. The names of God represents the Hebrew conception of the divine nature or character of God, as well as the relation of God to his people. Elohim is the most common of the names of God used 32 times in the first chapter of Genesis alone. That's pretty awesome. And it represents the deity as he is known to his worshipers. It stands for all those attributes that he bears in relation to them and that he reveals to them through his activity on their behalf. That's from the Complete Jewish Study Bible. So Elohim is a Hebrew word that denotes God. Elohim can also be translated the Lord God or Yahweh. Elohim is the most common names for God in the Old Testament. Starting in the very first verse in Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. The name Elohim occurs over 2,500 times in the Takana, which is a Jewish Bible. Elohim is one of strength or power of effect. Elohim would also be translated as he who is the object of fear or reverence. Mm -hmm. He with whom one who is afraid and takes refuge. Elohim is the infinite, all-powerful God who shows by his works that he is the creator, sustainer, 
and supreme judge of the world. What scripture does that remind you of in the New Testament? Hebrews. I didn't even have to give the hint. <laughs> yeah, Hebrews 1, verses 1 through 3, right? God's supreme revelation. God, who at various times and in various ways spoken in times past to our fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds who be in the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the power of his word, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Ooh, that's something to memorize. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Talking about Jesus there. Yes. Wow. It's powerful. It, it really is powerful. So also in this chapter, I mentioned omniscience. And what that means is God knows everything. Having unlimited understanding or knowledge. And because of his omniscience, God alone can foreknow and foretell the future. This is a powerful being, but yet he calls us his children. We heard that tonight. We're sons of God. He's our father. We've been yes. born again. That's amazing. This is who our father is. Yes. So why do we worry? Mm -hmm. no. Why do we fear? We need a greater sight of him. I need a greater sight of him. Every day I need a greater sight of him. And you know what? Every time I get another sight of him, I realize, why am I worried? Why am I anxious about whatever? Don't I know who my father is? So it's good to start from the beginning in Genesis. To realize who he is, our father in heaven. And that he can be trusted. He really can be trusted. And so can Jesus. Because Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Right? You've seen the Father. So John 1, 1, we read that again, in the beginning. Same as Genesis 1. In the beginning was the Word. Jesus, the Word made flesh. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, testimony. He really existed. He really did walk here on planet Earth. It's not a fairy tale. It's not a story. It's reality. Jesus left His throne in heaven to come here. And we're going to see in Genesis 3... When we get there, it was all God's plan to redeem mankind, to redeem this earth from the curse. So Jesus came and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. 
I love that about him. He's full of grace, but he's full of truth too. He'll tell us truth, but there's grace there. So thankful for that. So what I want to take the rest of this time to look at is, and you have all the scriptures there, and how we started where each one went around the room and each one read one verse from Genesis 1. Now I'd like for each of us to read one scripture verse that's listed on your handout. And as we read through it, I want us to look to see what these scriptures say about God's word. Because again, we're, we looked at Genesis 1, right? And we saw how God spoke. He said it was so. He said it was done. But that's not the only place where he says. So I want to look at other scriptures to see what the scriptures have to say about God's word. Because remember, if you want to be a, a good Berean, let scripture interpret scripture. Okay, that's what we're learning, how to rightly divide the word of God. Let scripture interpret scripture. And you find that it complements each other. You know, what's being said complements what's being written here in Genesis 1. So we'll start with Samantha again, Isaiah 55, verse 11, and then we'll go around the room and you can read one of those scripture verses out loud, loud enough, so hopefully the recording might be able to get you. Rain and snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish what I will it to do. And it will prosper wherever I send it. Is that true based on what we just read in Genesis yes. 1? Yes, it is. Oh, yeah. Isaiah 40, verse 8. The, grace, the, grace, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. God's word's still standing, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. The stars, the moon, the sky. Psalm 18.30, as for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in him. Would you say God's word is proven through creation? Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Matthew 24.35, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will by no means pass away. Amen. Amen. Yeah. And we know that heaven and earth will pass away eventually because right, yes. it's under a curse. Yes. But God said it's going to. Right. So that yes. shows us his word doesn't pass away because what he says happens, happens, right. or will happen. Right. Right. Do you ever wonder how in our generation, I mean, you think about how long ago this was written and we still have his word? How it's preserved yes. for us, yes. this generation. Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. my word that goes out from my mouth. It 
it will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Would you say that God did that in Genesis 1? Yeah, right? It's amazing how that scripture verse points back to creation, really. Because what he spoke, what came out of his mouth, didn't return empty. It accomplished what he wanted it to accomplish. And it achieved and, and desired the purpose for which he sent it. It's amazing. Perfect. In this time we're living in, it's flawless. Flawless, flawless. Don't believe the lie. That says differently. It is flawless. We might all lose our heads one day because of it, but that's okay. It's still flawless. (laughs) It's still flawless. Yes. Yes. And in case... They didn't hear that on the tape. We had someone in class said it's better to die for the truth than for a lie. Mm-hmm. Yes. Psalm 119, 160. All your words are true. All your righteous laws are eternal. Second mm-hmm. Samuel twenty two thirty one. 31. As for God, his way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. Long as saying it again. Mm-hmm. Psalm 135. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word, I trust. You know, we could put our hope in his word. We really can. That's the only thing we could put our hope in. Especially in this day that we're living in. We can only put our hope in him. That's it. Nothing else. And it's good that the young ones are learning this now. It's good that you're learning that now. His word never fails. He never fails. First Peter 1, 23. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. Oh, it's living. It's living and enduring, his word. And we see that. Right? In Genesis 1, it's living. His word is living. It created and only he can do that. That's right. for the teachers out there that say, oh, you can speak it into existence. No, you can't. No. Only God can speak things into existence. <laughs> only he yes. has that power yes. and that authority. Psalm yes. 19 verse. Yes. <laughs> we all lost yes. track. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. Ooh, perfect, refreshing the soul, trustworthy, making wise the simple. God's word. Remember, we're looking at God's word, what the scriptures say about his word. Ezekiel 12, 28. Therefore say to them, that is what the sovereign Lord says. None of my words will be delayed any longer. Whatever I say will be fulfilled, declares the sovereign Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Matthew 5.18 For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter nor the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Until everything is accomplished what God has said in his word. That's a comfort. Mm -hmm. 
See, because if you remember, he's omniscient. Yes. He foretells the future. Yes. And he knows what's on the horizon. So that can comfort us as we see all these unknowns that, God, you know what's going to happen. You know how this whole story is supposed to play out here on planet Earth. And that gives me comfort. Because man's not having his way. The enemy's not having his way. Your word is being fulfilled in the earth. Your word is being fulfilled in the earth. What you said was going to come. I'm seeing it. I'm a witness to it. Just like the disciples were witnesses that he was the Christ. Jesus was the Messiah. Well, we're witnesses of what is happening now in our world, of what God said was going to happen. So we know his word is true. (laughs) We can move back a full circle again. That what he says is true, what he says he does, is we can rely on him. You know, we can really trust and rely on him. And we need this as bedrock. We need this as bedrock in our our heart, in our soul, in our spirit. We need it. We need this knowledge of him, like bedrock inside. Because like we keep hearing over and over again, it's not based on our feelings. We got to take it by faith. And faith is simply saying, Lord, I believe you. Even though I don't see it, even though I don't feel it, I believe what you said is true. And you're not a liar. I mean, your word says God is not like man. He's not a liar. So that has to be an anchor for us. An anchor for us. So we go back now to, I think we have one more verse there, Hebrews 4.12. Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a deserter of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Can anyone raise their hand to that one (laughs) about God's word, right? Mm -hmm. It's living. It is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It does pierce to the division of soul and spirit, joints and mind. It does discern our thoughts and intents of our heart, right? When we sit under the word, when we read the word, when we hear the word, God convicts us of sin, things that are not right in our lives. And it's a good thing. You know, because again, he wants to bring light where there's darkness and get that thing out of us, you know, what separates us from having fellowship with him. So what we see is God's word is truth. It's reliable. It's sure. It's immovable. It's fruitful. It's a light. It's hope. It's strength. It's alive. And it's for now. (laughs) Like what was shouted. It's for now. It's for now. It's for us. It's for this generation. It's not way back then. It's for us today, God's word. The life that's in his word is for us today. So, for discussion. I wanted to have some time for discussion. So, before class, I came up with these four questions. And the first question I was thinking 
in what areas of your life do you tend to doubt God's word? Does anyone want to be so brave to share? Or more than one person? In what areas of your life do you tend to doubt God's word? Yes, as bad as it is, sometimes I doubt that his will is, not his will, but like his intent for me is good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, his intent for you is good. Yeah, I doubt that. Even though Jeremiah 29, 11, my plans. For I know the plans that I have for you, yeah. I struggle with that sometimes. Yeah. And what you're going to see the more we get into Genesis is... When the enemy came in the garden, it was to cast doubt on what God has said, mm-hmm. to doubt his goodness. And when we struggle with that, right? I mean, we go through things, and sometimes it's like, well, God, if you're good, why are you letting this happen to me? I say that all the time. You say that all the time. I'm sure there's a lot listening that say that, too. Why are you letting this happen to me? This isn't fair. How many of you have heard from unsafe people? If God is good, then why does evil exist? Right? Yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, we hear that too mm-hmm. from unsafe people. Anyone else struggle in this area where you tend to doubt God's word? I would echo a lot what Jemaine said. Jemaine. Yeah, his goodness. Um, realizing that my definition of goodness and love is different than Good the point. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I just need to bow my heart and be okay and believe that his word is truth. Okay, if he's going to supply all my needs, mm-hmm. like how do you reconcile some of that stuff? Mm-hmm. I'm just throwing that out there. And there's this one lady right now that she's on her deathbed with cancer. Right. And they stopped her nutrition the other day and she is just saying how but God is still supplying her needs and she's reflecting on what her needs are and to me I'm like oh you need food you need nutrition um, she has her nutrition whatever she needs through her IVs but she's over death bed because of cancer mm-hmm. and it's, she just has me pondering her testimony mm-hmm. just God still supplying what I need mm-hmm. I need him and then she just says all these verses, and I'm like, whoa, girl. <laughs> all right. I needed that. Mm. Like, mm. Well, I think is good. Mm-hmm. It might be a different definition, you know, from the Lord. Yeah. And to be okay with that. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm wrestling with. That's good. That, okay, God, this is your love. Mm-hmm. This is your goodness. Mm-hmm. When, to me, my definition of good and love, if I can get allow you to change my definition, mm-hmm. then I can move forward. Mm-hmm. And somehow lean into the Lord with that was hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if people that are listening can hear that answer there, but <laughs> the the main thing is define good. You know, really believing God is good. And but how do we define good? You know, what we define good, God may not define that as good. You know what I mean? So it really becomes a, an issue of trust. 
Lord, I trust that in the midst of what I'm going through or someone else is going through, a lot of times it's someone else, someone else that they're going through. It's like, man, how can any good come out of this? You know, I don't see any good. But we have to hold on to the promise, especially if they're a believer. Romans 8, 28, right? All things work together for good for those who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose, right? So when I read that, it's like the good, the bad, the ugly. He causes it all to work together for good in our lives. And it's in different ways. Sometimes he's revealing himself to us in a greater way, or maybe he's going after an idol we have in our heart that he's trying to set us free from. Maybe something, I know for me, he's usually looking at, okay, Rose, where are you putting your securities in? Because those are the things I'm going to shake up. Because I don't want your securities to be in those things. I want them to be in me and me alone. You know, and the older you get, right, 60s, you start thinking, okay, uh, uh, I have really nothing to fall back on. <laughs> but is that true for us as believers? No. no it's, it's not because we have the Lord. And that's a sight probably what you're sharing, the testimony she has, that even though this outward man is perishing, I have everything I need. Jesus, and I don't need anything else, you know, because really, I'm going to be with him one day. So we need the Lord. What you shared is good because we all need the Lord to help us to see him right because we don't see him right. You know, I don't see him right. God's always correcting me on how I see him. And I need that correction because I don't see him right. Because it's part of the fall. Hath God really said? You can't really trust him. We can't get to Genesis 3 yet. We got to wait. <laughs> but, you know, you, what you start seeing, and that's why I love when we could be real with each other. Because you start seeing we all struggle with the same thing. We all have the same struggles. You know? I mean, we all struggle with the flesh and our crazy thinking. But sometimes we don't want to say anything because we feel like, well, if I say something, they're really going to off the wall, you know? But you start seeing that we all look crackpots. <laughs> oh, gosh, I think that's what Jackie Pullen used to say. We're all crackpots, but he uses crackpots. <laughs> anyway, so, okay, so... Now, the second question I want to look at, how has God been faithful to you in that area that you struggle in? That's when I want to hang my head down to the floor between my knees like a dog, you know? It's like, we doubt him, but yet he's so faithful, yes. right? How many times has he been so faithful and to us? And he never leaves us where we are. Like, he's always willing himself you know, yeah. to, uh, to us, to him. And that's what I've been blown away. I mean, and I was just crying out to the Lord the other night because I've been so tired. And I don't know if it's just from leftover from, you know, when I had COVID and, mm-hmm. and I've wanted to spend my time with him in the morning and then it's, it's getting later in the day. I mean, I've had my time, but still, it's always the best in the morning for me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Lord, you have to help me. You have to just wake me up because I can't, I'm, I'm so tired. I don't know what's the matter with me in the morning. And so last night, 
I was having a dream that I had to do with bugs. I can't stand bugs. And there was this big bug in me. And I flung, I mean, it actually woke me up. I actually physically flung it off of me. But I was wide awake. And it was like 3 o'clock in the morning. I was like, okay, Lord, I get it. So I'm like wide awake. But it was a beautiful time with him. Right. Do you know what I mean? And it was just like, all right, thank you, Lord. I wanted it a little bit later in the morning. That's okay. I didn't want to wake up at 3, but... But I was wide awake. I mean, no. there was no, I knew it was him. I knew it was him. You know what I mean? I said, okay, I'm going to get you up. I'm going to jolt you awake. And he did, but I was. I was wide awake. And it was just, I mean, I just started weeping because I was just like, Lord, you're so good. You like mm-hmm. answered me immediately because mm-hmm. he wants us to spend time with him. Yeah. That's yeah. his desire. Right. And I want to spend time with him and I'm yearning for that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And he's, he honors that. You know, mm-hmm. he's just so good. He really is. Yeah. He's just yeah. so, so good. So we doubt him, but yet he always proves himself and, and faithful yes, to does. us, even when we don't even deserve it. And we know we don't deserve it. It's like, no. what? I don't know why you keep pursuing yeah. me, but you are really love. I mean, you're pure love. Yeah. Yeah. He, he yeah. just is. So based on tonight's study and some of the scripture verses that we read through, are there any scriptures that you feel you need to commit to memory maybe to help you if you're struggling with doubting God in a particular area did, did anything from the scriptures that we read stand out to you the most there's like oh I never saw that before I really liked Hebrews 1, one okay yeah I was just like, oh my gosh, it's just like everything is in there, you know? Yeah, Jesus. Hebrews 1, verses yeah. 1 through 3. That, yeah. that really stood out to me. Hebrews 4.12. Hebrews 4.12. always stood out to me because of the word of God is living and powerful. Mm-hmm. But tonight it was, and is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hebrews 4.12, how it's mm-hmm. a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It is mm-hmm. so amazing how God's word does that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really yeah, does. Yeah. It's just like, oh, busted. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, busted by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. He's just exposing me. Mm-hmm. I remember we went, um, years ago, we were, we went to a revival, and this was back in 1997, and, uh, man, every service, that, the pastors and the preachers that were preaching, you felt so undone and naked before the Lord in those services. Because everything they were sharing, it's like totally exposing your whole inside world Mm -hmm. to everyone that was there in the revival. I mean, totally exposed, and you were like, I know for me, it was like I would be cringing in my seat. Like, that's me. I just want to go down and repent. I mean, that's all I wanted to do was repent. And I was a Christian. I was in full-time ministry. But that's what the presence of God does. It exposes us like that. And you realize how much you need the blood of Jesus to wash you and cleanse you. So that became like magnify that reality what you're sharing in those revival meetings and I remember we had talked to a a gentleman that he was like a father in the faith for us he's in his 80s now and 
we had asked him about that revival and other revivals that go on, and he said, what's the most important thing to look at is what is being preached and is it causing you to repent. Because I told him, every time I went to those services, I felt like God was cleaning me inside, scrubbing me inside, getting all the junk out, which I needed, which I needed. Stuff from the past, stuff from the present. I mean, just, it was a mess, everything he was exposing. So God's word is powerful in that way, and it does expose us in that way. But, you know, he doesn't point those things out so we just come under the heavy weight of it all. It's so we run to Jesus. You know, run to Jesus and let him take it all and let him cleanse you and fill you in that area of your heart with his holiness, you know, his spirit, because we need him. We don't realize how fallen we are and the remnants that are still there. Even though we're saved, born again, serving the Lord, there's still junk in our heart. There's still junk in there. But again, you know, we're in this... We've heard this, right? We're in this together. <laughs> well, we're kind of in this together for the kingdom of God, you know, being purified as his bride. We're in this together. We're allowing God to purify us through his word, through his spirit, through the times that we spend together when we're with the Lord on our own so that when he comes, he'll find the pure and spotless bride that he said he's going to have when he comes. And we've got to hold on to that. You know, we look at it in the natural, it's like, how, Lord, however. But he said he is going to have that. So it's okay, Lord, I take it by faith. I don't know what it's going to look like or what else has to happen for that to happen, but I'm taking it by faith that my garment will be clean when I see you, you know. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So then the last question I had here is if there's any scriptures there that you feel were like an aha for you tonight, you know, you saw something that maybe you hadn't seen before and you want to commit it to memory or just take some more time maybe studying it out. How do you plan on doing that? So we don't forget. It's easy to forget. But if you know, no, that scripture really spoke to me tonight. And I want to keep this before me. So what can I do so that I don't forget this, what I got from the Lord tonight? I'm sorry? Mark it in my Bible? You can mark it in your Bible, yeah. See other scriptures that um, relate to it, or that yeah, you know, um, back up that, that scripture also. Look for other scriptures that right. say the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do a topical study on that. You could do. How about if you have a prayer wall? Mm-hmm. Maybe writing it out. Mm-hmm. Oop, pinning it on a wall so you can see it every day mm-hmm. as a reminder. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, again, this is just to remind us of who our Father is. 
our creator. He's our creator, but yet he's a sustainer, right? He sustains all life here on planet Earth. He has all authority over life and death. He has the final say in everything. I remember my brother had a friend and uh, I never met her, but I did talk to her over the phone several times since he wanted me to talk to her. She was a lawyer, she was a prosecutor and um, sweet, sweet lady. And uh, she had cancer and she would go in and out of different bouts with the cancer. She would go into remission, come back, go into remission. And I remember she used to always say to me on the phone, Rose, God has the final say. If he wants me here, he has the final say over my life. If he wants me here, I'll be here. If he wants to take me home, I'll go home. You know, and it just left such an impression on me. I always remember her for that because it was just like, man, she's got the right attitude. She had a sight of the Lord that was like, I don't know if I can say that. You know, back then, I mean, back then, I, I knew I couldn't say that, you know, but we need that reality. You know, can we really say it is well with my soul, but we can when we have a sight of who he is. So Genesis 1 is good to meditate on there. And that's why I love reading through the Bible, because it, it brings me back to Genesis 1 every time. By the time I get to the end, I'm back in Genesis 1 again as a reminder of who he is. You know, who he is. So I trust that this was a blessing for you. I'm just going to turn this recording off so it's not too long. And